this morning I want to speak to you on the subject of conflicted. Being conflicted. Have you ever been conflicted? Have you been conflicted lately? There's a whole lot of confliction going on in our country. This is a verse that's been speaking to my heart a lot of late. It's found in the book of Proverbs. It's an interesting verse, and I want to read it for you. If you will turn in the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, and verse 10. If you do nothing, underline that. If you do nothing in a difficult time, your strength is limited. Wow. If you do nothing in a difficult time, your strength is limited. A do-nothing generation. In the middle of that, God is engaged with a people group called millennials that are determined to do something. There's more money being given now to organizations than ever before to do something by millennials. They give more than any other generation to, to do something. But they give less to religion than any other generation. Probably because they are the product of religion. They are the product of a broken religion where religion got their parents high and really left them low. And they're determined to do something. But God is looking for a people who will rise up in a city and do something in a difficult time. But that's not really the heart of what I want to talk about today. It's a verse 11. Rescue those being taken off to death and save those stumbling towards the slaughter. If you say, but we didn't know about this. Won't he who weighs hearts consider it? Won't he who protects your life know? And won't he who does these things repay you according to your works? I have two Bibles today, so I'm going to do a lot of preaching. I'm going to read this for you in another translation. Rescue those who are unjustly sentenced to die. Save them... As they stagger to their death. And don't excuse yourself by saying. Look we didn't know. For God who understands all hearts. Sees you. He who guards your soul. Knows you knew. Woo. He knows that you really knew. Did you know that to, do not, to, to know to do right. And not do it is a sin. James wrote, he wrote it. I mean, we want to get fired up over the issue of same-sex marriage. And I believe as a church we need to be equipped. And that's what last weekend was about for us was an equipping time and all of those things. I believe that we are living in those days and those times. But listen, God gets equally as fired up just about those who know to do right not doing it. Being sin. He who guards your soul knows you knew. And he will repay all people as their actions deserve. Conflicted. There's a lot of confliction going on. If you watch the presidential 
prospects of the GOP debate the cup this week, you may understand there's a lot of confliction going on. There's a lot of people trying to say what they really mean without saying what they really mean so that they don't pay the price. One of the things that seems to have resonated about Donald Trump is he just speaks what's on his mind no matter what you think. And it's for some reason people are amazed that that is attracting such a great response. I wonder what would happen. You say, isn't it great that even though he may be, even though everybody's scared to death of that dude, they're just overwhelmed by the fact that he just says what he means and really means what he says regardless of the price that it may cost him. And I begin to wonder as I watch this gentleman, as I watch him interact, I begin to wonder what would happen if the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the redeemed of the Lord would begin to live out what the Word of God says regardless of what people think. Regardless of what people think. I begin to wonder about this and I begin to think about it. And and in a difficult time, I wonder what would happen if we do nothing. Everybody's concerned over the four blood moons and the wonder and the mystery of this. A lady asked me last week, said, have you read this book? It's the most phenomenal book and it tells you all these things that's going to happen. And I said, no, it was really kind of smart, Alec, and I kind of felt bad after I said this. But I said, no, I hadn't read that book, but I read another bestseller. And it's more accurate than that one. It's called the Bible. Have you read that one? I really, boy, that was like a flash from the past. Ignorance on fire. I just, it just came out. And, and I just wonder, I mean, people are, are, are gravitating to what man thinks about all that's going on in the world. But what does God say? God says that people are stumber, slumbering and stumbling towards a death and they're being led off to a slaughter and people sit by and do nothing. The visual image that's just been in my mind over the last couple of weeks is probably the same that's been in your mind. And it's the image of people just piling on trucks, piling on buses, piling on trains, going in mass convoy of the refuge, the people who are running for a refuge, the refugees, the people who are trying to get out of Syria, who are running for their life, and as they're running to any country that will let them in, there's a great debate all around. Well, we really don't know who we're letting in. Should we let them in? They may be Muslim extremists. They may be on their way to destroy us. It's this, it's this sense of being conflicted all around us. 30 miles away, 30 miles away from where the terrorists tried to attack a convention center in Dallas, Texas, 30 miles away from that, in a school this week, a little boy brought a clock in that looked like a bomb and they arrested him and hauled him off to jail and, or, 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 or to the principal's office, all this stuff. And it's just chaos. There's this confusion. There's this confliction. And, and it's like zero tolerance or no, 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 not zero tolerance. And, and it, nobody knows what to do anymore. And the reality of it is that we're conflicted people. As we look at those people piling on the trains, trying to run for their life, they get to a country that says, we will receive you. And then they're like, no, we won't receive you. 
well, maybe we can take a few more. No, and they shut the door. And sometimes they get to where they're finally getting to the place of refuge. They're getting to the place of asylum. And they get there to the place of safety only to find armed guards keeping them from going in. Now, now just stay with me for a moment. Those people are running for their life. And everybody says, I wonder... How many of those are Muslim extremists in there that are trying to infiltrate and come in with the people going for refuge to, to, to try to destroy others? The greater question of that is, how many of them are called children of God? How many of them are born-again, blood-bought believers that are fleeing for their very life from the people who are trying to kill them? Conflicted. Conflicted. When I watch that picture, I I think about this verse. If you do nothing in a difficult time, your strength is limited. Rescue those who are being taken off to their death and save those stumbling towards slaughter. There's three things that I thought about. The war. As we look at this, we see the war, the picture of the war that is raging. As I think about the issue of war and going back, you know, I, I I wasn't here. I wasn't here when Nazi Germany was taking people off and dragging them off into gas chambers and destroying the Jews by the millions. I wasn't here for that, and I only know what I've learned in history from that. But I bet it looked a little bit like what we're seeing on television today. Masses of people getting to the place where they're thinking they're going to find hope and thinking they're going to find refuge and think they're going to find asylum only to find their demise. You see, the subject of the war, it relates to us globally. Globally, globally, it's never been, it's so unsettled right now with everything that's happening in the global world and the global economy and all the things that is happening all around us. Nationally. There's this conflict, there's this inner struggle, there's this inner turmoil over the subject of black lives matters, no white lives matter, no Hispanic lives matters. You know, well, I'll tell you what, to God all lives matter. And now all of a sudden, if you say all lives matter, all of a sudden you're a racist and you're stirring up strife and controversy. Folks, we are in a national epidemic like, like has never been seen in my lifetime. That's a war inciting war and people stir it up they stir it up politicians stir it up local community leaders stir it up presidents stir it up and there's this global struggle for war there's this national struggle for conflict and 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 strife but then locally there's the same battle that are is raging locally there is conflict locally there is racial strife locally there is heartache locally there is difficulties racially culturally economically there are wars all around us globally nationally and locally now why are there why is there global wars global strife Why is there national strife? Why is there local strife? Here's the answer. You ready for it? Because there's personal strife. There's personal conflict. There's personal unrest. 
there's personal anxiety. There's personal warring going on inside somebody. What makes somebody rise up and do things like they do? What makes them launch wars? What makes them kill people? What makes them take their child? What makes them take their life? Inner conflict. Some people's inner conflict passes by and nobody ever knows about it. Other people are able to project their inner conflict upon other people at the school. And then when they go a little bit higher up, they're able to project their inner conflict upon a whole city. And then they're able to project their whole conflict maybe on a state. And then maybe on a whole country. And then just maybe, just maybe upon the whole world. And today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, in the middle of the conflict, in the middle of the turmoil, in the middle of the world war, in the middle of the national war, in the middle of the local war, in the middle of the personal war, you and I have the answer. You have the answer. I have the answer. God has the answer. Jesus Christ has the answer. That in the middle of the war, in the middle of the conflict, in the middle of the strife, in the middle of the cultural war, in the middle of the racial war, in the middle of the personal war, there there is a way. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, it was the way that was so great they called it the way. Matter of fact, when they stirred up the religious crowd, here's what they said. Anyone who was found in the way, not like in the way, like in the way, the way of Jesus Christ, put them to death. The way, the way, the way. If you've read the book of Acts, the way kept being repeated. The way, the way, the way. What was the way? Jesus stood up and declared it. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man can get to the Father except through me who is the way. It's not enough just to say, come love Jesus and everything will be okay. But I can tell you this. That in the middle of the personal strife, which leads to national strife, which leads to local strife, national strife, and global strife. In the middle of all that strife, there is a way. Who is the way? Jesus is the way. Now then, if you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, all things have passed away. And now all things have become new. Can I get an amen? And now then... We're a new creation in him, but go a little bit further. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. And then it says, now then you are an ambassador for Christ. And as though God was imploring through you on Christ's behalf for men and women, boys and girls, to be reconciled back to a holy God. Now stay with me for just a minute. Take that New Testament principle, back it up a little bit to the Old Testament. Let's go back to this translation and look at what it says in the book of Proverbs chapter 24. It's very interesting. It says, rescue those who are unjustly sentenced to die. Save them as they stagger to their death. And don't excuse yourself. What is God telling us? Who is the person who is to point the way? We are the people who are to point the way. We are the people who have the answer. We are the people who have the solution. Don't you bow your head down. Don't you slump your shoulders. Don't you Mickey Mouse around spinelessly through a hell-bent world that is determined to do everything that is ungodly, everything that is immoral, everything that is culturally accepted but heavenly rejected. Don't bow down. Rise up and say, I have a declaration from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that I have the answer that I am the person who is to go out and make a 
difference. You say, oh, pastor, I can't do it. I'm just a lady. I'm just a single wife. I mean, I'm just a single woman. I'm just a a wife. I'm just a homemaker. I I can't do those things. I don't have a great education. I, I I can't make a difference. Really? Really? How many of you have read the book, The Hiding Place? If you've not read the book, how many of you have heard of a girl named Corey Ten Boone? I mean, if you've gone through school any amount of time, you know about her. And yet, she was just the daughter of a shopkeeper, of a watchmaker. But I'm telling you, she was more than the daughter of a shopmaker, a, a watchkeeper. She was the daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And she said, you know what? I may not be able to make a difference in the world, but I can make a difference in my city. And when people came into her city, she would put her life on the line and put them in the hiding place. And she would hide them. And she would give her very life, if that would need be, to rescue those who were being led off to their death and demise. Isn't it amazing the people today who are willing to die for the gospel The persecuted church of the 21st century is greater than ever before. Isn't it amazing that the people who are willing to die for the gospel, yet we struggle so hard just to live for the gospel. Can I say that again? Because it just went like, it's early. This is the early service. It just went right over you. Isn't it amazing that so many people are willing to rise up and die for the gospel? Yet that same gospel... The church in America struggles so hard just to live for it. What is the answer? Well, Corey understood it. Because she understood the New Testament principle in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, she understood this principle. She understood. She understood what God was doing in her life. She understood that in the middle of the conflict, in the middle of the warring of the flesh and the spirit, in the middle of all of those things, she understood that she was more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. She understood in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, all those who are led by God's spirit, if you are led by God's spirit, that means he's leading you in what? The way. He's taking you in the way that you should go. Therefore, she understood all those who were led by God's spirit are God's sons. See, God's not going to lead you if you're not his. She understood that all those who were led by God's spirit, in verse 15, it went a little bit further, for she realized that she did not receive a spirit of bondage or slavery to fall back into fear, but she received the spirit of adoption in whom she could cry out, Daddy. Abba Father. See, she understood the conflict. What was the conflict for most people? Success. People are trying to be successful. They want to be successful so much. They may want to be successful and be one of the most politically powerful people in our country. They may want to be successful and be one of the most powerful people in their area. They may want to be one of the most powerful people at their workplace. They may want to be the most powerful person of the hood. I don't know what it is. They may, whether it's good or bad, everybody's looking for a little measure of success. 
And then those who are not looking for that little measure of success have been beat down in their mind verbally so much by the world that they have succumbed to a standard of living that God never intended for them to be. Anytime somebody shows up and asks for help, which is pretty often, this happened just last Saturday, somebody showed up and they were asking for help, and so I bought them some lunch, and I asked them this. This is a question that I always ask. Are you tired yet? Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you weary of begging? Are you weary of going from organization to organization? Are you weary of going from church to church asking them for enough money for a happy meal? Asking them for enough money for one sandwich, one meal, one electric bill, one thing. I'm telling you today that God has a plan for you and God wants to bring you up out of the situation that you're in and bring you to a life of victory. I'm not here telling you today that if you'll surrender your life to God, you'll be a millionaire and everything's going to be all right. But I am telling you that if you'll surrender your life to God, you will be a child of the Most High God. You will be a royal heir of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I am telling you today that the Bible says that you've never seen His children begging or His seed left begging for bread. I'm telling you that God will bring you out of bondage. The government, the church has subcontracted the work of the ministry out to the government for so long that the government has turned around and put people back in bondage. They determine where they live, how they move about, where they work, how much money they get, how much food they buy, and they control them. I'm telling you today, I, there are so many miserable, miserable people in the world today because you and I were not created to be dependent on any man. We were created to be dependent upon God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He who sits on his throne, I am telling you, if God be for us, then who in the world can be against us? Amen. That's not a popular message today, but it's the reality that if you are living your life dependent upon anybody other than God, you are headed for failure. Everybody wants success, but what they really, you know what's greater than success is peace. They think success will bring them peace. If I'm president of my company, my own company, if I'm president of a company, if I'm the principal of my school, if I'm the head of the mechanics, if I'm the A number one kingpin in my neighborhood, in my family, if I'm the drug dealer that's calling all the shots in my hood, if I'm the one who's, who is in charge of the neighborhood, if I am the one who is of that status, I want you to know that you think that's success and you think that brings peace. But success does not translate into peace. That's why the rate of people who are successful and taking their life is just as great as those who are living in poverty and who have nothing. Things do not bring happiness. Con that's called conflicted. People are conflicted when they think that success brings peace. The second thing they're looking for the way, they're either looking for the way of success or they're looking to the way of vengeance. How many people live their life? Why are wars started? Why Go back to the first point. Why are there so many wars? Because people are looking for success. They launch wars to be successful. Why do many people launch wars to be successful? Because they're trying to fulfill a vengeance that they've had for a long time. But you know what's greater than vengeance is freedom. They're not In the vengeance, they're looking for freedom. If I afflict harm upon somebody, I can finally have freedom. In the middle of that, the, so many wars are started because people are looking for prosperity and what they really need is submission. 
Do you realize that so many wars are started over success, vengeance, and prosperity? Power. But what they're really looking for is peace. And the only way they can gain peace is to have freedom. And the only way they can have freedom is to gain submission. The only way you can have inner peace is to submit to a holy God who says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication, make your requests be known unto God. Isn't it amazing that people are looking, the thing they're looking for is found in the thing that they don't want to have. You know the coolest part about wives who submit to their husband? They realize that the whole weight stops with him. They realize that if I'm doing what God called me to do and I'm submitting to my husband and I'm being respectful, then he's the one who's ultimately accountable. Do you realize that if you submit yourself to God and you resist the devil, if you draw near, he will draw nigh unto you? I'm telling you that, oh, mercy, maybe just the thing standing between you and God isn't the government. Maybe it's not your spouse. Maybe it's not your children. Maybe it's not your neighborhood. Maybe, no, not maybe. Matter of fact, the thing that normally stands between us and God is us. Us. We just can't seem to get us out of the way. And then the last thing, there's the award. The award, Proverbs 24, 12, summarizes it and says, don't excuse yourself. Don't excuse yourself. He who sees you, he who sees you knows that you know, and he will repay. If you're being faithful, you may think nobody notices, but God does, and he will repay. The great reward is found in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 16 through 17. Look at it if you would. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children, and if we are children, then we're heirs, and if we're heirs of God, then we are co-heirs with Christ. Seeing that we have suffered with him, we will be glorified with him. You know the greatest reward is acceptance. That's what everybody's looking for, a place to belong. That's why people join gangs. That's why they join clubs. That's why they join fraternities. They're looking for a place to belong. And the greatest thing in Jesus Christ is that he said, I have adopted you from the orphanage of hell, gave you a place to be accepted, given you a place to belong, and I'm going to give you my glory. Wow, what a statement. Today, do you have that glory? Are you conflicted? Have you read every book there is on finding the will of God and knowing it, and yet you still hadn't found it? Have you struggled inwardly? Have you found yourself at a place where there's a war waging within you? Have you found yourself not knowing what way to go? There's an award waiting for you. If you'll just say, Lord, I'm your child. It's not my responsibility to figure it out. It's your responsibility to show you. Many people have different approaches on how they feel about their parents. A lot of them don't want their parents to tell them anything. Matter of fact, you know, especially when you're teenagers, your parents know nothing on how they got to where they are, but they don't know anything. And normally you make this full circle and you either come back around and you either never respect your parents. And if you don't respect your parents, it's, probably the way the parents raised you or trained you. They trained you to, for them to be unreliable and undependable and 
But I'm telling you that if you have a good relationship with your parents, you never get too old to pick up the phone, call your mom or call your dad and just say, Mom, what do I do in this situation? I just burned this. Is there any way I can salvage it? I've got to have dinner tonight. Mom, my daughter's having this struggle. I don't know what to do. Dad, I don't know what to do. Should I buy this house, Dad? Should I not, Dad? Dad, should I take this job opportunity? I'm telling you, there's nothing greater than having an earthly father to be able to pick up the phone or a mom to be able to pick up that phone and say, Dad, what, what should I do? I'm telling you, greater than an earthly father, there's a heavenly father. The, the, the battery's never dead on your phone to call him. The service is never down. The signal is never weak. No matter where you are, he's a father that kicked open the door to the orphanage of hell and said, come, I'll give you a place to belong. But I'm not a Jew. It's okay. I love Gentiles. But I'm an addict. Well, I'll just get you addicted to the right things. But I've been abused. I'm the healer of the abuse. I'm the refuge church do you picture from the news this week the masses of people who were stumbling for any country who would let them in only to be rejected now multiply that times 10,000 times 10,000 times 10,000 and that's the throng of people who are stumbling toward the devil's hell every day and the church sits by and does can we improve our building? Maybe it'll get people to heaven. Listen, the way to heaven has already been provided. He needs a people to engage a city. But before you can ever engage a city, you've got to answer the personal war in your life. Settle the personal conflict in your life. So that God can heal you, sustain you, and give you.